Welcome to episode two. In today's episode, we'll be discussing how to think about internships and or working in college and some of the tips and tricks associated with it. Some of the things I will cover are nepotism, internship coordinators, paid or unpaid, things to watch out for, should I just get a job, and then we'll close out with the Black Swan Court case. By the end of this episode, the listeners should be able to make some informed decisions on internships and have more clarity on what to expect. Let's get started. All right, nepotism. Let's talk about it. It is important to understand what a word means before you describe it to people in detail. So let's define nepotism. It is just using power or influence to get friends, family, colleagues, close people that you have relationships with, jobs, or promotions. And this is the way that the world goes around. I did not know this until college, but I have a quick story to show how this works. Before we get to that, I think I should say this. The best person doesn't always get the job. So we're talking about internships, college. You can do everything right and not be the person for the job. It's important to know that, that there are other factors that is not all up to you. So we'll talk about party A. Party A is really smart junior at UCF, honors college, 4.0 finance major, very intelligent guy. Uh, he wants to work at Lockheed. Lockheed's a great company, powerful company. Once you get it on your resume, you're you're going to be okay. And we had a mutual friend, we'll say Party B, who was a C student, who was constantly getting into trouble, who just wasn't the type of person that could potentially end up with a top secret security clearance working at Lockheed as an intern, just not mature enough to. And to be candid, he didn't have the chops for it. But Party B's aunt worked at Lockheed and Party B got the internship. Now, this is a coveted internship. As you can imagine, a school like UCF has a ton of finance majors and there are other colleges in Orlando, Rollins, etc. And so it's the pick of the litter to be able to get this internship. So being that Party A, B and myself are mutual friends. We're having the discussion about this when Party B tells us that he got the internship. And my friend, Party A, was very upset about this. And after I like stepped back and really thought about it, it wasn't Party B's fault. It's not his fault. He has a very enterprising aunt that works at Lockheed. And it's not Party A's fault either. It's just the way the game goes. And You know, once you're aware of how the game goes, you can try to better position yourself so that you can be a beneficiary of nepotism. But that was a really good lesson for me to learn early on. I didn't get an internship in college. It just didn't fit for me. I learned this lesson through RDA. Another thing about nepotism specifically is it's not enough that Party A knew someone working at Lockheed. It's that that person working at Lockheed knew Party A. So it's not who you know, it's who knows you. What do I mean by that? If you have these surface relationships with people, oftentimes those aren't the ones that are, you know, where someone benefits from nepotism. It's usually like a close association. So 
as people go out and start to like network and try to get connected with your uncles, aunts, friends, cousins, ex-wife, like a lot of times that that person isn't going to feel like they are connected to you closely enough where they can stick out their neck for you to try to get you an internship. So remember, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Also, nepotism is a two-sided coin. And if we go back to our example of Party B getting the internship at Lockheed, you can imagine how that turned out, right? Somebody who's not mature enough to take on the role, who's not focused enough on academics to get it on his own merit, he embarrassed his aunt and he sold something from Lockheed and brought it to campus and showed it to people and his aunt got in trouble for it. Obviously, he lost the internship, but it also doesn't look good on the aunt because of her judgment. It's like, okay, you try to fast track this kid and now he came in and screwed the stuff up. Now the aunt looks kind of crazy, not clinically crazy, just not professional and not respected at Lockheed anymore. It wasn't long before she left there, but nepotism is a two-sided coin and you have to be able to consider both sides whenever you hook somebody up or you're the beneficiary of the hookup. Okay, let's shift from nepotism and talk about internship coordinators. So internship coordinators at universities are very useful. They have a little black book. I don't know if you ever watch Fresh Prince, but Will Smith had a black book of like all these girls numbers. And one day he uh, gave it to Carlton and Carlton was like all starry eyed. But Internship coordinators have a black book of all of their jobs and their contacts in the city or region in where the university sits. Super important to be in good with these people because they can place you in jobs that aren't even published, in internships that aren't even published. And so you leverage their networking capabilities. In the land of remote work and remote life now, Internship coordinators are even more valuable because some of the jobs that aren't even in your city, your state, maybe your country, they might have access to. So really important to make sure you're tapping them because they are a wealth of of knowledge as far as placement. When you talk to them, though, I think it's important to like kind of outline what you're looking for, not going in desperate. It's not one of those things where you get to tell them exactly the company you want to work, but just some characteristics. I think that's important so they're not matching you blind. And go in early. Don't wait till the end because, you know, if you go to a big school like I went to, there just weren't enough internships to go around. And so if you waited until the end, you were going to be out of luck. Okay, let's talk about paid or unpaid. The concept of being unpaid for something is something that I struggle with. So, you know, I have a rap lyric in mind um, from Kanye West, but I won't do that yet. Just so my audience knows, I'm a huge music guy, specifically hip hop, R&B. So I'll sprinkle some rap lyrics, movies too. I'll do some movie examples to explain some of the things that we'll talk about. But I don't like not getting paid. I think that there's a value exchange for my labor or my mind or whatever the case is. So for me, an internship didn't really work. But 
as a student, you have to really figure out whether or not you need to be paid or you want to be paid or you're willing to be unpaid. Some people like myself needed money in college. I had bills, I had tuition, I had car note, I had helping mom, etc. So for me, it just you know didn't make sense. But some of the more prestigious internships are unpaid. And so if you're in the position where you can take an unpaid internship, you know, I guess go ahead and do it. There's a lot of academia out there about, you know, some people in certain groups getting legs up because they can take all the unpaid internships that other groups cannot afford to take. So if you fall in that group, more power to you. Paid internships to me are better. A lot of times what I've been told from my colleagues is that the paid internships often had better detailed outlines of what's expected of you. So less like, you know, figure it out and more is, hey, this is exactly what we want you to do. Make sure you're doing this and that's how you're going to get paid. I think the most part of this segment today is going to be this section right here. Watch outs. What to watch out for as you're taking on an internship or if you're already there. So I had a friend um, in the legal studies group who was an intern at a law firm. And they had my man doing just clerical duties. He was getting coffee. He was making copies. He was punching holes in paper. He was cleaning the books in the law library at the firm. He was just setting up meetings, etc. Essentially, they wanted him to be a janitor slash administrative assistant. And this is somebody who wanting to learn as much as he can about how a law firm runs. And he just did clerical duties. And I remember him talking to me about it. He said, Kamar, I don't know how much longer I could do this. All I'm getting is paper cuts. I thought I was going to be learning about legal treatises and stuff. And, you know, I was laughing at him, but it came down to that he wasn't willing to just do clerical duties. And so he left that internship. But I would say to watch out for like an internship that's just clerical duties. If that's what you want to do, why wouldn't you just go somewhere and get paid to do it? I really don't think the value of having a big name law firm on your resume is useful if when a recruiter or an interviewer asks you what you did there, you can just recite different types of Folgers coffee. Like that just doesn't really sit well with me. Another watch out is being a runner. One of the people I knew worked at a hotel and they were just a runner. They were just getting stuff for people, the management of the hotel, and that was it. They thought that they were going to be learning about how to run a national hotel chain. And for them, being a runner was not you know, what they signed up for. Some people might like that. Some people might weigh and say, you know, as long as I can get blah, blah, blah on my resume, I'll just run around and get stuff for people. No smart goals. Watch out for a company or an internship that doesn't really give you any goals for your internship. No markers, no metrics. Smart goals, specific, measurable, et cetera, et cetera. You can look it up. It's an acronym for a way to have measurable goals. And at the outset, when you're joining a company through an internship, you want to know what you will have 
as work product at the end of the day. And you want to know what you know skills you are going to learn there. If you can't have that, that's something you should watch out for. Unprofessional environments. This one just brings up bad memories. Close female friend got an internship in, in a rather important company in Orlando. And her manager or the person that was managing her from an internship capability was trying to take her out to lunch every day for the first week. So at first she's like, okay, you know, maybe wants to get to know me, et cetera, et cetera. And then she got that late night, 12 AM text says, Hey, just really wanted you to know, I think you're beautiful. And it's, I find it so hard to work with you. And I think of you more as just than uh, an employee. And from there, the environment got more and more unprofessional blowing kisses to her, you know, all that type of stuff, buying her flowers and asked her, I was like, you know, her name's Brittany. I said, Brittany, why are you staying at this place if you don't like it? And you're so annoyed by this person. And she's like, you know, it's, it's not that bad. And I don't want to have to try to find another one. I'll just continue to try to avoid this person. And, you know, I feel bad for some of my female colleagues who probably have to experience this way more than anyone I know that's male has had to experience it. And so she ultimately stayed through that internship, but don't stay. It's not worth it. Unprofessional environments, you know, come in many forms. Some it's abusive management, right? Don't work for an abusive manager. What is abuse? If you don't know what it is, look it up. Abuse is where somebody is consistently belittling you, trying to make you feel like you're not worthy. If someone is doing that, just find another internship. Another thing that I would watch out for is no consideration of you being a student. This is often common in the legal field where, hey, if you're going to come to a firm, you're going to be an intern. If we can make use of you and you're not just a runner for coffee, you're going to be doing all types of stuff. Two colleagues of mine went to the same firm and they were doing stuff that essentially almost law clerks or paralegals would do. Both of them were good students, but they were tired. They were working on stuff outside of internship hours, outside of work hours. And both of them left that internship because that firm was notorious for not really considering that you're a student. They just didn't care. It's like, almost free labor, right? So like, let's ride it as much as we can. So those are my watch outs. Be smart about this. Your gut will tell you if something doesn't feel right. I know a lot of the younger generation is like way more brave than my generation was and uh, my parents' generation where they will leave anywhere whenever they want. Like you don't have to tell them twice, like, yo, you should quit. They are out. Obviously, weigh that. I, I see your generation is, you know, leaning that way a little hard, but weigh that. If you're seeing too many of these watchouts or, you know, any of these watchouts are extreme, then, then just leave. The next thing we are going to talk about is should I just get a job? And you guys know where I sat on this. It's yes. When you th think about getting a job, there's the where, the when, the why, the who of the job and you know for me where and this is a proximity thing is i got a job 44 minutes from college from where my campus was so 
I was driving from school to work and I was like often late because I'm coming across town. And if I could do it again, I would probably choose a Best Buy that was closer to my college to transfer to. I had a lot of close friends and colleagues that I got to like at the location I was working at and the location was close to my home. So it was kind of like, you know, pick your poison. Either do you want to be close to your, your house when you're going to work or close to college when you're going to work? So that's, that's the where, the when. What is your schedule? When are you working? Super important for me. I did Tuesdays and Thursdays at UCF, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I went into work and sometimes on the weekend. And that was a good balance for me. I got, you know, enough hours right under 32, 33 hours if I wanted to, down to 25, you know, sometimes. And I've had friends that worked a little too much, I would say. They were trying to balance full-time jobs and, you know, in college at the same time. And that's a lot of stress, unneeded stress, I believe, in my opinion. But just something to think about in the context of, of when you're working. Why you work? What is your why? For me, I was broke. Very simple. I told you I was going to hold off on the movie references and the hip-hop references, but I can't help myself on this one. Uh, there's a movie with Little Bow Wow. He wins the lottery, and one of his friends is trying to help him figure out how to spend the money and it's being a little overbearing on Bow Wow. So Bow Wow's like, yo, why are you acting like this? And he looks at Bow Wow and he says, I'm broke. And it was such a, you know, visceral moment. His veins was popping out of his head and he was just explaining like, hey, I have to do this. I am broke. I see no other way. That was my why as to why I was working. I needed money. My family needed money. I needed to be able to live. And that's why I did it. For some people, getting a job. Um, might just be saving. They want to be able to go to grad school at some point, or they want to be able to do something that is a, a long game, buy property while they're in college, whatever it is for you, find your why as to why you should get a job and really think through that. Um, who do you work for, right? Like that's, for me, it was Best Buy. Best decision I made, taught me a lot of business principles, taught me, you know, what working at a public company is like how everything cascades down from the top and how everything is very thoughtful and intentional, right? There are no real accidents at companies that size. So super important for, for me, the who of who you're going to work for. So for you, if you want to do that resume bolster to get that job that when you are down the road, you can look back and say, yep, I used to work at this company and this has helped me help my trajectory do that. If you're just looking to, you know, go and work for a pizza shop because you just need some quick cash, do that, you know, to be a delivery driver. I can say for sure that at Best Buy, originally when I started to work there, I thought it wasn't going to use any of my brain power whatsoever. I was wrong. The company requires you to do in-depth training to understand the business in depth, to understand financial metrics, etc. So if you want to turn off your brain, don't go work somewhere like a Best Buy um, while you're in college. Choose something that won't require you to think about things when you are off work. Okay, our last topic today is talking about the Black Swan Court case. So the Black Swan Court case is about the movie, 
the Black Swan. And Fox Entertainment Group, I think, is who owned the rights to it, who made this movie. And Black Swan took in about, I think, over $300 million global at the box office. But Fox did, you know, some interns dirty in this movie and the intern suit. So what happened? A bunch of interns are working on this movie in the California and the New York offices. And essentially, the interns came to realize, like, they weren't doing just educational work, no work of educational value, um, and they weren't getting paid. And they were essentially, like, helping make the movie and having meaningful commitments to making the movie. So the, the suit was to see whether or not Fox was violating New York minimum wage laws. And this ended up getting settled, as most things do. But it only got settled once Fox realized that it couldn't win this suit. And what really came out of this and what was interesting to me was that a lot of Hollywood media companies practices for internships had to shift after this. So a lot of the studios started paying their interns for work performed. And that result was a number of internships decreasing. So a lot of the studios were like, nah, we don't want to pay these kids. And so, you know, instead of 200 studio internships being out there, you know, I think in one article I read that there were 75, right? So, you know, the court did a good thing here, in my opinion, and, you know, protected the interns. And I think they ended up getting right around 7500 bucks each or $6,000 each somewhere in that that range and of course the attorney's fees were $220,000 so the interns stepped up and were like this isn't right and they got you know $20,000 total between all of them and the greedy attorneys took you know $220,000 so i mean at the end of the day black swan in the movie theater did well and fox did okay but this was uh, kind of had a chilling effect on the internship world so get paid, okay? Get paid, young man, get paid. There are too many opportunities out there for work now with the global economy, especially with the creator economy and with like the gig economy where you can just get paid. Don't get caught in stuff like this. Okay, we've reached the end of our episode today. It's been really good talking about internships, something that is really important for college age people and people in grad school that need jobs as well. So thanks for your time today. In hindsight, I wish I was more open with some of my colleagues about their internships and being more blunt and trying to get them to not do it, honestly. But if you are going to do it, kind of look at this framework, some of the things to watch out for and just be cognizant of that. Hit me up on Reddit at Consultant Hindsight to chat about this or any other episode. Until next time, one love.